Good evening, everyone. I want to welcome you to our Christmas Eve here service at Warrington Bible Fellowship. And while we're not mandated by the Bible to celebrate the birth of Christ, and we're also not mandated not to do it. And it is a theologically significant event in the life of a Christian. So why not celebrate it? Amen. But we want to make sure we celebrate it the right way. And so I'm going to open up in prayer, and then there'll be a, a litany of things that come your way that help us celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Father, we're so thankful that you wrapped yourself in flesh and came to us as this baby. We see this baby, dear Lord, not as just a baby, but one who has come to redeem the world to you. So we pray, Father God, that as we celebrate this evening on the eve of the birth, uh, the day that we choose to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, that we would do so in a manner that is pleasing to you. And praying, dear Lord, that we would present the gospel in such a way that if someone is listening, someone is watching, who has never received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, that something will be said and done here this evening that would draw them to make that decision. Father, it's in Jesus' name, pray and give thanks. Amen. Amen. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And thank you. Tonight, as we sing and hear the scriptures, you are welcome to stand, but if you're not able to, you can stay seated and sing.
Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, of them has light shone. For us, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and evermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen.
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. i
Bethlehem Ephrathah, 
who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the, all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn.
And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Amen.
When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And when the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. Stars in the sky look 
little earlier, we heard Marita uh, read to us from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Let me remind you of what this passage says. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The word of the Lord, brothers and sisters. Now, I've talked to you for several years about Christmas being a special time. And it's kind of hard to explain, but it's almost like the world just takes a breath and ponders where they are and where they're going and all that sort of thing. But, you know, that why is that? What makes Christmas so special? What's going on here? Now, in the mornings, we've been talking about the angels for the last couple of weeks. We found out there are three types. There are cherubim. Um, they serve God. They protect the holy places. There are seraphim. They worship God and sing and and spend time before him. And then there are the messengers. These are the angels that, that we think about when we think about angels. They bring guidance. They bring prophecy. They bring direction at a time when it's needed. These are the ones who show up most often in Scripture. In the gospel narrative, we see the messenger type. It's the only type we see in the gospels. Gabriel shows up several times. He's, uh, there are a, a, a number of other unnamed angels that show up, but Gabriel is one of the central figures. Zechariah gets a visit from Gabriel. Here's his son. Uh, he's going to have a son in his old age, and that he's going to be the herald of the, he's going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. So Zechariah struggles with doubt, and we see that there are consequences to be paid for that but eventually he comes around and does what he's supposed to do joseph gets a visit uh, joseph hears that his young bride to be is telling the truth about how she has become pregnant and that he should go through with the wedding but keep mary pure uh, until after the baby is born and the, in, in joseph's narrative one of the things we pointed out was joseph never speaks we never hear what Joseph has to say. Joseph simply hears the word of God and obeys. And then Mary, Mary has her visitation. Gabriel tells her she's going to have a child. And the child is going to be there by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that this child is going to be the son of God. Mary's humbled. She's obedient. These are all turning points in the story of the birth of Jesus Christ. They're actually turning points in the history of mankind and God's redemptive plan for mankind. 
And we all know that there's, there's a lot of myth, there's a lot of sentimentality that has grown up around the Christmas story, and uh, all of it's designed to tug on our heartstrings and give us warm, fuzzy feelings about this time of year, make the gospel beginnings kind of cute and cuddly. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, we should have warm feelings, amen? So I'm not here to dispel that, but I am here to tell you that the actual story is a little bit grittier, a little bit starker than what we have come to know about the Christmas season. There, there's, you, there's no innkeeper. There's no hotel in Bethlehem. You've heard this before. There's no peaceful open barn, no cave where the baby's born. The baby doesn't lie in a cute, contrived crib uh, in sanitary hay. He's in a stone-cold, carved feeding trough that was used to feed the animals earlier in the day. Messenger angels that show up don't have wings. They don't really appear until the art around the church in the fourth century. No feathers, no wings. Scholars believe they're at it because angels are frequently seen in the sky, and if they're in the sky, they must fly, and if they fly, they've got to have wings, right? And if they've got to have wings, they should have feathers. Fourth century contrivance. So, the wise men are not kings, and they don't really show up until about a year after the baby's born, maybe even longer than that. And get this, in the gospel narrative, this might be a little bit of a surprise to you, the angels don't sing. What? Well, angels are supposed to sing, aren't they? they? They are supposed to sing. But in the gospel narrative, they don't sing. And if that's a big enough surprise for you, there's no little drummer boy. Probably the last thing Mary would want to hear after the baby was born. So now that, we've, now that we've taken all of the sentimentality out of this evening, what makes this night and tomorrow so special that so much of the world takes a breather and seems to soften their hearts just a little bit? Take a look at our passage for the evening, and, and all the answers are right in there. But here's a hint. The story that these passages tell is so much bigger and far more moving than anything we would see on Hallmark cards or in movies or see on our phones or on the radio or whatever. It's so much larger. In the first seven verses of Luke chapter 2, the baby is born in swaddling cloths. Oh, that is so adorable. And he's laid in a manger. He's born in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. The place of bread. And we see our first hint that something big is going on. What is this? What are these swaddling cloths? Well, they're strips of cloths, and they were used for a number of things. When, when babies were born, they would sometimes wrap the babies in the strips of cloths to, to help their bones form properly. Uh, but they were also a sign of legitimacy. And this baby is not. As a matter of fact, if you take a close look at Luke, we see swaddling claws, the baby wrapped in swaddling claws in chapter 2. And the next time Jesus is wrapped is in Luke 23. It wrapped in linen. It's the bookends of Luke. 
It's a prophecy of what's coming. So here's the baby in swaddling cloths, born in Bethlehem, the place of bread. And Bethlehem is a small town named after, of all things, an oven, right? Place of bread. Later on, we find out Jesus is the bread of life. Keeps on going. Shepherds around Bethlehem. Uh, Bethlehem is very small, less than 200 people, probably less than 100 people, populated by the families of the shepherds who actually live out in the fields on the edge of town. And those fields are right between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. Jerusalem's less than three miles away. And the shepherds are responsible for raising a large number of the sheep that were sacrificed in the temple. And legend has it that those sheep, before they were sacrificed, would be wrapped in swaddling cloths. You see the bigger story that's being told here? Shepherds are looked down upon their culture. Nobody wants them around. And and yet they have this incredibly important job. So let's look at the story again. Luke 2.8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock, by night, it's nighttime. Uh, they live out there with them. They look like and smell like sheep. <laughs> and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, of all people, for the angel to appear to. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. I just want you to put yourself in the shepherd's place for just a second. Nobody wants to talk to them. They're not even really welcome in their hometown. And here comes the glory of the Lord. And they were filled with great fear. Historically, this has not been a good thing for the Jewish people when these angels show up. And so they're trembling. And the angels said to them, fear not. The angels do that all the time, don't they? Fear not. Yeah, you know, here I am. I've come to you. I'm glowing. Uh, There's something going on up here in the sky. But don't you worry. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Oh, no, no. The Jews have a franchise on God. It can't be for all the people. So the shepherds, the shepherds aren't connecting the dots yet. What is going on here? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Okay, so the, the shepherds here, the Messiah has been born. And he's in Bethlehem. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Now, on the off chance that there was another baby born in Bethlehem that night, he probably was not sitting in a feeding trough and probably not wrapped up tight in swaddling cloths. So they're going to know the baby right when they get into town. And then suddenly, verse 13 There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You know what happened here? Heaven emptied out. Heaven came down to see what God was doing. They had no knowledge of redemption. They had no knowledge of salvation. Something incredible was going on, and everybody came to watch. And these shepherds are standing there watching all this happen in the sky. 
and hearing glory to God. And notice, notice the angels don't sing, right? They, the time for singing is going to come because we know that angels do sing. But this night, this particular night, this is a night for proclaiming. It is a night for speaking in a simple and easy to understand way the truth of who God is and how he has come to save us. There'll be no equivocation here. There'll be no trying to figure out what the message was. See, that's, that's what makes Christmas so special. That's why we pause. It's the story to end all stories. It is the ultimate victory of good over evil. It is the arrival of the Savior of all mankind, the remedy to the fall from the garden. God is correcting everything right here. It's the answer to millions of prayers and for us to over 6,000 years of waiting. It's a fulfillment of every promise that God has ever made, the coming of the creator of the universe into our homes and into our hearts. It's an incredible story. It's God taking on flesh and living among us for our blessing. It is the intersection of heaven and earth, the cosmos, all of creation comes together in this particular place, in a nondescript, dirty, dusty little town in the Mideast at a time in history where it should have been washed away by insignificance. And here we are, immersing ourselves in every minute of it 2,000 years later, allowing it to touch our hearts and to change us, to transform us, giving us meaning, giving us hope in a world that day by day so desperately needs something to hold on to. Let that, let that warm feeling wash over you. Feel the presence of the Holy Spirit because this story is so much more than warm fuzzies and fond memories. Story of a great light coming into the darkness, not only coming into it, but defeating the darkness forever. A darkness vanquished by the pure white glow of the glory of God who's lying in a manger. The highest of the high coming to rescue the lowest of the low by becoming one of us. Story to the end, to the end of darkness and sin. Story about the eternal lives of those who believe him and call him Savior. We've been lighting these candles for the last couple of weeks. Advent. What does that mean? See, this is the story. This is the story. So there, there, there are five candles here. And we've light, lit one each week. We have the, the first candle is hope. It's hope in the promises of Christ. The second candle is faith. Uh, being thankful for the faith that we have been given. The faith that saves us. Third candle is joy. We've been 
That's the joy that we have in the gospel, the joy we have in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then the candle of peace, the peace we have in him and him alone. And the fifth candle, the candle in the middle is the Christ candle, who died that we might live. You see, this is the, this is the story of light coming into the darkness. So we're going to show you what this looks like. How many of you got a candle when you came in? If you, if you don't have a candle, let me ask you to do this. If you don't have a candle, raise your hand. A little button on the bottom of the candle. And what we're going to do is we're going to darken the lights. Don't light your candle yet. <laughs> Blow them out. I know exactly how you feel. I've been doing the same thing all week long. <laughs> okay, so we're going to show you what Advent means and what this story means. Because before Jesus came, the world was dark and lost. And, and he brought light into the world. So if we can dim the lights, ask the, the elders to come forward, please. And what we're going to do is we, we don't have real candles. The fire marshal won't let us have them, okay? But what we're going to do is we're going to have the light start with these candles that represent Jesus Christ and the faith, hope, and peace that we have in him. And then we're going to move that light to our elders, and then they're going to bring it to you, and you're going to light it one at a time. They'll come to the end of your door, at the end of your row, and they're going to help you light your candle as if we had real live candles, would you do that, please?
Long ago, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by his power. Amen. I want to thank everyone for joining us here tonight. And let's not forget one of the lyrics of Silent Night. He was Lord at his birth. Amen. He wasn't born to be king. 
He was already king. He was already the Alpha and the Omega. He was already the Son of God. He wasn't born to be the Son of God. And so as we celebrate tomorrow, let's remember who we celebrate and how great he really is. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus, who is the Christ. Praying, Father God, that as we separate from this place, we realize that we never separate from your presence, that we would govern ourselves according to that knowledge. And even though we go to separate homes, we're connected by the one and the same spirit. We thank you, Father God, for Jesus, who is the Christ. In his name we pray, amen. I believe this ends the service. I'm going to stand here for just a moment and wish you a Merry Christmas from me and John. Thank you for being our church body. Thank you for being our brothers and sisters. Wish you a Merry Christmas. Good night, everyone. Pastor John back here again. If you are blessed by the service, let me ask you to do us a favor. Would you click on the like button below that little thumbs up? If you're listening on Sermon Audio, perhaps you can comment or even share the sermon with someone else. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at WBFVA. We're on the World Wide Web at WBFVA.org. Let us know if you'd like us to pray for you. If you'd like to support us financially, you can make donations through our website at WBFVA.org. Just click on Giving. You'll receive a tax-deductible receipt at the end of the year. Either way, we would love to hear from you or even have you visit us in person one Sunday. We meet at 46 Winchester Street in downtown Warrington, Virginia at 11 o'clock every Sunday morning. And now, may God bless you richly until we gather again.